before we put you on the shelf, you need a cross knit French box. I'm like, how? What do you mean a cross knit French box? <laughs> so we had to get a translator and all of that. I was, had to make sure that it didn't say, like, I always see people with Chinese tattoos, and I'm like, do you even know what that says? So, <laughs> so the, the French box, we had to get checked over a few times, make sure it's all good. Hi there, and welcome to the Greyhound Guide, the official podcast of the Sport Management Department here at the University of Indianapolis. This episode is part of a limited edition series titled The Founders. We will be interviewing the founding partners of Rampshot, Crossnet, and Sauce Toss over the next few episodes. These games are unique to the industry and quickly becoming some of the fastest growing sports in their field. Stay tuned to learn how they went from idea to product to millions. I am your host, Cody McCullough. So do you have a sibling? And if so, do you get along with them well enough to build a multi-million dollar company with them? Chris Mead is co-founder of CrossNet. The game blends volleyball and Foursquare. He founded the game along with his brother and childhood friend. The game has been around for less than five years and rapidly growing into one of the fastest selling outdoor yard games in the U.S. It's extremely versatile and can be played on, played on land, water, and with a team even. So thanks for joining us today, Chris. Um, like to start off with a fun icebreaker question. On the website, when you hover over your name, it says probably at the record store or the record shop. Uh, if you had to pick any artist of all time to write a theme song for CrossNet, who would you choose? Or band, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Never been asked that. Um, so all-time favorite artist is Circus Survive, which is a, like an alternative emo band uh, grew up listening to. Currently, like if we're thinking like a jazzy, fun song for like ESPN, I'm going to go with like Tame Impala. Something like upbeat, energetic. Yeah, Tame Impala would probably get a go. Just because of the name, I was thinking Beach Boys. Just because of the name. Fair enough. Uh, so I know you've told the story a thousand times before, but just for reference to listeners who have maybe seen CrossNet but don't know the backstory, could you explain how you and your brother invented this game with your friend Mike um, and then how it went from the idea to the product? Yeah. So in short, we were all... Uh different stages of our life. I was 24, 25 at the time, uh, making cold calls all day long at Uber. I was trying to launch Uber Eats in Boston, Rhode Island. And it was just, it was kind of in a crossroads, right? Making a lot of money. I was pretty happy. Uh, but I had no idea what kind of career I wanted. What was I going to do in 10 years, let alone next week? Uh, it's just kind of jumping from job to job, making money, but not really happy. And we had an idea one night, <clears throat> four-way volleyball. It's kind of one of those ideas you're just kind of kicking it around with your friends and you assume somebody had done it already. We Googled four-way volleyball, wasn't a single thing on the internet and we're like, this is way too good to be true. So next day we ran to Walmart, rigged up a prototype in our backyard. We bought two badminton nets, uh, invited our friends over and kind of came up with a brand new sport within 24 hours. How did you, who, first off, who won the first game that you guys ever played? I know I did not. I will tell <laughs> you I did not. Uh, I think it, I, I'm going to say Greg, Greg or Mike, one of them, or had to be one of them. So, And how did you guys come up with the name CrossNet? I mean, it makes sense now, but I'm sure when you guys hadn't had the prototype. Yeah, dude, we were between CrossNet and AirSquare. 
Uh, oh. Air Square is still kind of cool. Um, I think CrossFit, like, yeah. as the brand starts to keep going, growing and growing, like, I feel like it's a strong name. Have um, you heard of Nine Square in the Air? I have heard of Nine Square in the Air. Never That's played it. Until you, until we created CrossNet, and they're like, "Oh, you copied Nine Square in the Air." I'm like, "I had no idea what Nine Square in the Air was until two years ago." That name reminds me of it. Um, yeah. So I'm curious because I've heard you say the story that you guys went that night through a list of like yeah. a couple hundred ideas. So when you guys made that list, was the intent to find something to start a business or just to find something? that you guys yourselves could use on the weekend to blow off steam yeah no it was definitely to make a business okay. um, my brother greg was kind of like just doing some e-commerce odd jobs uh, mike had just graduated from school and didn't really want to start doing an engineering full-time gig and i was just kind of sick of my day job honestly so yeah the, the intention was definitely to make something that could be a full-time business for us uh, now it was going to lead to that that night absolutely not so in 2017, you guys created the first prototype and it went through like five or six iterations. Um, how difficult was it for you guys to get the product to the point where it was ready for market? Um, I've heard you say in other conversations that like your number one piece of advice to entrepreneurs is to just get started. But I'm sure that when you're in the thick of things, like it's hard to not nitpick the product every step of the way. You've done your research. I love it. You know, it, it's tough because you're 24 the other guys are 22 you have no income coming in and you just want to launch the damn thing right like you want to you want to get going but if you launch it too quick you shoot yourself in the foot so it's finding that fine balance between being patient and being able to go full steam because absolutely you hear entrepreneurs all the time they have a good idea and it's been a good idea for 10 years and they they now have kids they have a house they have a mortgage and they can't give up and start their dream so yeah it's finding a fine balance um, we did about five iterations, give or take. I mean, hell, every time we get a new sample, like we're trying to always improve the product. But it took about five times or so till we got something we were really happy with. So sometimes the product wouldn't stand up as well as we'd like. Sometimes the stakes we wanted to redefine, we turned them from plastic to metal, uh, making it height adjustable. We teetered with having zippers on the net. Uh, there's tons of different things that we kind of worked out. And then the packaging. I mean, hell, we had an ugly brown, brown box for like the first year in business, and now we have this beautiful yellow retail packaging. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely saved money on the retail packaging. We just got started with the brown box. Uh, so yeah, a lot of iterations, but at some point, you just got to put the gas gas in, and go. Now, this isn't, this isn't a question on there, but I'm curious. Whenever you guys first started and you, you pulled your money, I've heard you say that you... you uh, like cashed out your 401ks and everything since you and your brother are two of the three founders did anyone in your family like pull you guys aside and say hey like maybe you don't do that no nah, to be honest man my dad died when i was in college it was just my mom and my brother and uh i mean i kind of helping my mom throughout our entire life just like working odd jobs when we we're like 16 to like keep the lights on so yeah. my mom knew we were hustlers we were grinders like she was in full support that's cool. I figured, like you said, you were making good money at Uber. They might be like, yeah. keep doing that. Yeah, no. Uh, my mom's supportive enough. For, she's our biggest fan. Like, She rides Uber, and she passes out CrossFit business cards still. So <laughs> she loves it. So um, I was just watching a YouTube clip the other night, and you mentioned like you have some full-time staff now. 
and one person was even in Indiana, which is where we're, this podcast is at. Um, so what was the transition like going from, you know, being a 25 year old, starting your own business to sitting on the other side of that table when it came to interviews? It's, it's crazy, man. Cause when you start the business, you feel like nobody could do any part of the job better than you, or you just want to have your hat, your hand everywhere. Um, but at the time, when you want to scale, you need to relinquish control. And it's, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, but yeah, it, it was an honor. It still is an honor. Like we have 14 full-time employees now. I have people who are 15, 60 years old on our team. And I'm the boss. Like, it's a crazy feeling. But um, it's really fun when you have the cash flow and you can start making those first strategic hires. Um, just to really like building up your super team right you think about how they have to like oh build your all-time nba team like we're building team here we're building this person here like it's really cool to be able to stack for that and it's really it takes a lot of humility to identify those weaknesses it's one thing to hire for your strength but that's kind of pointless like you want to hire some things you're bad at that way you can your company improves so do you have a a pet peeve like in an interview that if someone does it's like a red flag like you're younger, so I like asking you this because we've had professors and they'll be like, oh, if you don't shine your shoes, that's a red flag for me. And I'm like, I've never shined my shoes. <laughs> um, I don't like people who suck up. I don't like people who answer the question the way it should be answered. Um, I like, so the way I run our business is like, but everyone says complete candor. That's kind of just a fluff word. But like, I want negatives. I want negatives at all time. Like, the positives that everyone's getting paid and that we're like one of the fastest growing sporting good games in the world. Like that's great. Everyone has the lights on. People are getting paid. We're all living good. That's the positive. Every day I wake up, I want negatives. How do we make our company better and better? So when we interview and people just rip apart the business or rip apart like the part that they're going for, that's what I want. I want somebody who's going to come in with action. If you don't come in with action, why the hell am I hiring you in the first place? So that's what I look for in an interview. That makes sense because you guys want people that you don't want people that you can employ like for just two years. The people that are going to help you guys for the next 10. That's that makes sense. Exactly. Um, so I don't have a brother. I have two sisters. Um, I grew up with male cousins, though, and none of us could get along long enough to even finish like a game of basketball or football. So I'm curious, is it difficult working like with your brother and your friend Mike? Uh, on this product because it means so much to you guys like I can just imagine it's hard to handle disagreements with people that you know you go home and they'll probably text you to do stuff outside of work yeah it's it's great I really love it like Greg's been my best friend since day one like didn't have a choice being born with him but we get along incredibly well like all of our best memories are together um sometimes it is a little difficult to separate work and the friendship and the brotherhood same with mike like sometimes you just want to turn work off but when work is like your life and you're doing something you love like it's hard to separate those two um and then also having three co-founders normally if it's if you just have yourself and somebody else it's this person agrees this person disagrees yeah. and you find the middle ground with the three founders it's like okay sometimes you feel like you're getting teamed up on right you got two versus one that agree that that's how the argument usually wins that way um but no, it's, it's also another blessing is that early on, we found out what we're good at. It's not like all three founders do the same thing. It couldn't be more different than that. So all of us have our own specialties. All of us lead our own departments. 
and we're siloed in the way of like nobody's stepping on my toes i'm not stepping on their toes and they just get it in the slack message board like oh we're going live at walmart and everyone celebrates right so like it's nice and siloed uh which has helped us grow really fast it would be neat if you guys had started the business with four founders and then everything just got settled with a game across net <laughs> exactly so I follow you and your brother on on Twitter, and I saw just like the past few days, you guys are launching in Canada, and there was a video of you guys seeing your product on the shelves at Walmart. Um, so you guys have been at Walmart, Dick's, Target, and I'm curious, getting account, the retail accounts, did that create any new obstacles within your supply chain or like increased orders causing cash flow problems or manufacturing yeah it's absolutely crazy like so the two biggest things are logistics uh i'll break it off into i'll answer the question three ways so you have logistics how do you ship the packages the correct way because every vendor has a different procedure um if you buy from my website not a big process right i got the cross set a sloppy ups label on it, it's out the door cody gets it in a day walmart I have to do XYZ forms. I have to print this one label to put it in the back left. I have to route a pallet. I have to have the trucks there at a certain time. And if any of that goes wrong, they won't receive it. And B, I get hit with a chargeback for thousands of dollars. So there's like a crazy labor intensive process. And then on top of that is the order volumes nuts. Over the weekend, we had, I think close to 70 Walmart orders come in. And that's not one unit. Those are 2,000 plus units that need to be routed on Saturday so they can get picked up Monday or Tuesday. So it's just like being on the clock around, like all the time now, which is fun. It's rewarding when the biggest stores in the world are keep ordering. Um, but it's tough with cash flow because some of these big vendors, they don't pay you for 120 days. Some of them 90. And uh, you got to spend money to move the product, but you're not getting paid for months at a time so you're out of the product cost you're out of the marketing cost you got employee cost it's like how do you keep the lights on so it's a it's a fun challenge did you ever think because i it was it was either your brother and the tweet said uh, it was the canadian packaging and it was like never thought that we'd have to worry about getting different languages on our boxes but did you guys ever think you know your first six months starting crossnet that that would be something you guys did hell i didn't even know that was a requirement <laughs> so we got it yeah for us and they're like, yo, uh, 88 stores, Toys R Us nationwide, great. But before we put you on the shelf, you need a CrossNet French box. And I'm like, how? Well, what do you mean a CrossNet French box? <laughs> so we had to get a translator and all of that. I was, had to make sure that it didn't say, like, I always see people with Chinese tattoos, and I'm like, do you even know what that says? So, <laughs> so the, the French box, we had to get checked over a few times, make sure it's all good. Um, that's been like a three-month process, but they're finally all boxed up. Uh, and ready to go out to Toys R Us and Sports Jack and a, a bunch of other cool places. So I just want to slip this in here too because um, I've heard whenever you've talked about your story and you guys bootstrapping this, uh, like how frugal you guys were with the money to keep the process rolling, obviously. Do you think that, like say you were starting another business and you were looking for a partner, do you think that how someone is with their personal money reflects how they would be like with the business's money? Because you've talked about how like you guys being able to plan like you did helped you grow organically. Yeah. No, that, that's a good question. 
Yeah, when I look at other business owners, I see them on yachts and renting Ferraris and stuff, and they have a business that is a tenth of the scale of CrossNet. It, it makes me scratch my head and yeah. and and wonder about that. Um, I think at this point in my life, like we it took so long to bootstrap CrossNet if we were going to start our next project or our next venture. Uh, we'd rather a raise capital or put the crossnet capital into that business to just propel it um if yeah like to answer your question absolutely uh it makes me question things and also kind of see who i want to work with in the future uh but i don't know if i have enough uh gas left in the tank to bootstrap another business from scratch i don't think i would do that again i just think it's interesting like we all like whether or not we've actually found in the business like we'll talk with friends about it and like I'm super frugal and I'll hear friends that talk about it and I'm like dude you spend your paycheck going out to eat every Friday and Saturday night like I don't even know how you would do it exactly yeah you you got it and you learn so many skills just from doing it the right way and it's it's tough when you grow at such a rapid rate like we're spending money on stupid stuff that we probably shouldn't but it's kind of a brand play now and like Oh, we're doing this tournament. Like, yeah, the tournament might cost us 20 grand and we may lose 20 grand, but we're building the sport and we can see that it keeps getting bigger and bigger. So it's tough to quantify some of the things that you spend your money on at our scale. So this next question, uh, I just so happen to be wearing my, I work at the Y, um, so I'm just, I'm wearing my YMCA shirt. Uh, (laughs) So I heard you talk about how you guys are picking up large accounts, uh, and you're in like the gym teachers buying books. Um, so you, you mentioned a trade show at the YMCA. I'm curious, cause I've never personally been to a trade show. Um, I read and watch a lot of business stuff, so I see them, but from, and I think you said it was your guys' first one. So what goes into creating like a successful booth at a business or at a trade show? Yeah, so we went to one trade show and this was like the week before COVID up in Atlantic City. Um, for to create a successful booth, one, you got to have people there who are energetic and outgoing. Uh, I think we like to check those boxes off. Um, and then secondly, having a good product. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of different companies there. And I'm, I'm prideful to the fact that you look at a cross and it's set up and you stop and you stare and you're like, what the hell is that if you haven't seen it? And if you have seen it, you're like, oh, that's that thing from the internet. Let's go talk to these kids. They look fun to talk to. Um, so for us, like our booth is... Crossnet logo, photos of the game, interactive, pulling people into the booth, having them test Crossnet. That goes a long way. And trade shows are long, man. They're sometimes, if they're not a day long, they're a week long. It's exhausting, like having to go put on the fake talk and be buddy buddy with people. So if you can make their day, like, even if you can have five fun minutes, right? It's better than being bored and drained out by the other vendor. So you try to make it just like a fun experience. And, and that's gone a long way. So, right now you live in California, is that right? Yeah, I'm living out in San Diego for the for the winter. Uh, so I know the journey has taken you from Connecticut, New York, Miami, now California. Uh, yeah. One other podcast did like a rapid fire question. They asked you uh, beach or beach or mountains, and you said you would choose yep. mountains if it wasn't for your girlfriend. She likes the beach. So <laughs> I'm just curious. Yep. Did you guys meet via a cross net? Because I know like when you lived in Miami, that's how you guys first got the word out. Yeah, no, we met actually in Miami. Uh, I moved down there. She was actually from Connecticut too, which is funny. She grew up in a small farm town, not, eh, a little less than a farm town, but 20 minutes away from my hometown. 
So like, we know some of the similar people, we know the same restaurants, like, she knows people I went to college with, so yeah, we met in Miami, uh, just like downtown, it was friends of friends, so yeah, it was cool. Good connection, yeah, she moved out here with me in San Diego. In my mind, I thought you guys, like, whenever you set it up on the beach, she was like, hey, can I jump in? And damn. <laughs> she would love to have that story, yeah. So the tagline on, on the product on your guys' website is creating the next global sport. So I'm curious for CrossNet, what do you envision for the future? Like, I know your product offering has increased to the doubles net and the water version. Uh, yep. I was actually glad I got to re redo these questions because I saw the video game tweet. It was like, wouldn't it be cool if CrossNet was a video game? <laughs> so I wonder, your, uh, yeah, I wonder what your thoughts are like on that. And then also, I was curious if you guys had ever thought about opening up your own like CrossNet warehouse where people could come play and you guys could host tournaments in a set location and sell your own product? Yeah, so on the video game front, I have vendors send me the most lavish things and sometimes they get my attention. That was definitely one of them. Uh, obviously a video game gamer growing up and CrossNet video game would be amazing one day. Do, we think, do I think we have the fan base yet? Absolutely not. One day, hopefully so. Um, we have a warehouse right now in Escondido, California. It is piled from the floor to the ceiling and with boxes. Uh, so having some type of event space would be cool. I think uh, where I really see it is uh, growing the sport in two directions. So having tournaments, uh, we just announced, we're announcing one publicly in the next few days, but by the time this gets out there, uh, we're having a tournament on the ESPN this summer. Um, it's May, 20, May 29th. It's a doubles tournament, 25 men's team, 25 women's teams, uh, $10,000 cash pool for all the people. Uh, gonna be really sweet. So growing the sport with doubles, um, I see that turning into a global sport. Like next year, we'll have seven or eight events throughout the country, maybe some in Canada, maybe some in Europe as well. And then CrossNet clinics. So going back to your question about having a place for people to play CrossNet, I remember how much money I spent on basketball camp growing up and stuff like that in summer camp. So having these professional athletes who are like the CrossNet athletes now, going and running a summer camp for a week or three days or whatever, that we could turn that into a brand new business line. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, having camps out in Hermosa Beach and San Diego and Miami, where you have the world's most famous volleyball players who are also crossing the athletes, leading those camps. Um, I'm stoked for that. Uh, there's something I was, dang, there's something I was going to ask you. I'll think of it. I'll think of it. So this question right here was after I realized you had your degree and what is it exactly? I know I did not type it right. Film production. Yeah, that's it's not what it's called. Film. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's called <laughs> film video interactive media. That's the name of it. Okay. So with that <laughs> degree, you, I, you said in one interview that like, you know, after CrossNet, you would love to venture into that more. Uh, so if your guys's CrossNet story became a movie, who would star as Chris Mead in that movie? I like Owen Wilson. He's charming. He's decent looking. He gets He's done girl. some volleyball scenes too. And yeah, uh, Meet the I, Parents. Yeah, I think Owen Wilson would probably. I don't. He was, a, he was a random guess in my mind. But yeah, I like Owen Wilson. I thought you were going to go the route of like. Uh, oh, what's his name? Zach Efron, the Baywatch movie recently. <laughs> yeah, Efron, he, uh, he just did his face all up. You see that? He got plastic surgery on his face. 
Oh no, I did not. Yeah, he looks uh, yeah, looks a little different. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't realize it was gonna sound like that. I might edit that part <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, so before we get to the last question, or like your promos, uh, I gotta tell you, last week, so we were supposed to do it on Thursday. And I was super happy that you picked that time because my fiance and I were getting married in September and we're narrowing down like uh, photographers, which is overly expensive. And this photographer wanted to like meet and go over the agenda before the wedding. And so it was supposed to be for Thursday night at seven. And I was like, can't go, got this podcast. And then you canceled, so I had to go. And I was like, almost got out of that meeting. (laughs) Did you pick him? Uh, yeah, we we went with that person, but I because you picked that time because usually when I message people, they they're like it's something three weeks out or a month out, and you pick something like two days later, and I was like, oh, I did not know he was gonna go that fast. <laughs> I like to keep it moving. <laughs> so, where can listeners of this go to uh, to buy a product or just follow the founders on social media? Yeah, so uh, crossnetgame.com is always the best place to buy. And then on LinkedIn, Chris Mead. On Twitter, Chris Mead, Greg Mead. Uh, Mike's not too active on social media whatsoever, so that's probably your best dad is uh, Chris and Greg Mead on all the socials. Yeah, and I got to say just before we end this, and I'm not I'm not sucking up, like I swear. When So I don't know much about, like, I have a few degrees, but I don't know anything about, like, social media marketing and stuff like that and of all these podcasts i've heard you on you talk in depth about like email marketing and how crucial that is to your business and like just what you've done with like content on facebook or instagram snapchat and i remember just talking to my fiance about it and i was like he's probably one of the i listen to a lot of uh, business podcasts and i was like he's one of the smartest guys i've heard talk just (laughs) just the way i appreciate that dude like because you, you said you're 24 or 25 when you started it. I'm 25 right now. And when yeah. I heard you talk, I was like, I'm going to have to dumb down some questions because it's not even going to make sense what he says. <laughs> uh, and it's it's just cool. Like I you were mentioning, uh, what were you mentioning? A dropship business that you did with yeah. jerseys. And I didn't know yeah. what that was. So like I had to go in and uh, see what that was about. Uh, so it's very interesting. Like you can definitely learn a lot from the stuff I you said. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's just when you're in the trenches, dude, you literally have 2,000 bucks to your name. Either you make it work or you don't make it work. And thank God we made it work. So thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I'll let you know when this is live, and I hope that it turns into some cross-net sales in Indiana. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate it. Send yep. me uh, send me your address. I'll send you out a cross-net. Oh, nice, nice. And I'll send you out a jersey if you ever the Jets draft. <laughs> All right, bro. We'll talk. Have a good one. Later, yeah.